Before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. With Vladimir Putin edging seemingly closer by the day to some kind of incursion into Ukraine, I took the opportunity to speak to my great mate Simon Mikhailovich, a man who, thanks to his own personal background, more than anybody, has helped me understand both Putin the man and Mother Russia better. Simon's balanced perspective is, I think, exactly what's needed at a time like this, when the flames of propaganda are being fanned in just about every mainstream Western media outlet. So, if you want a little dose of sanity, please enjoy my conversation with Simon Mikhailovich. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, and The Narrative Game, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show, and you want more high-quality content like it, please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, please enjoy the show. Simon, my old friend, how are you? It's been way, way, way too long since you and I have seen each other, God forbid, let alone spoken to each other. I know this this plague has just been going too long. So hopefully it'll end soon, and we'll be able to uh, play around, like or get a, get together, like we always do. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be fun? Well, listen, I, I I'm so pleased that we got a chance to talk, um, and thanks for doing this on on short notice. But there are just so many things going on right now that you have such a great perspective on, uh, given your background, given the things that you talk about, the things that you invest in. And so I thought this was a perfect chance for you and I to talk about all those, and, and particularly given the piece that you put out in December, quite presently as it as it turned out. So, we'll, we'll, but before we, we come to that, most of the people listening to this will know who you are and, and and what your background is, but there will be some, I'm sure, that maybe don't know. So if you can just give us that potted history quickly, just so that they can understand the perspective you have on what we're about to talk about, I think it might just help a few people. Sure. Uh I grew up in the Soviet Union. I was born there. I was 19 when I left in 1978 uh, as a refugee, uh, escaped to Western Europe, and from there made my way to the United States. I studied engineering for two years in college in the Soviet Union, so I have a bit of background in that. When I came to the U.S., I got a degree, a bachelor's degree from Johns Hopkins in political science. I've always been a student of history, particularly of Russian history. I obviously, Russian is my first language, and I follow what's going on there. Uh, Russian state has not dealt kindly with me, so I take a bit of a dim view of, of the power structure there. But nevertheless, I am not an expert on Russia. I am not an expert on geopolitics. I am a, uh, I guess, a more competent observer because I can speak both languages and I can hear and I do follow what what is being said in Russia, both by the uh, in Russian, both by official uh, government spokes, spokespeople and by anti-Putin um, media, which is quite robust in Russia. May surprise some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. There, there's there's there are plenty of uh, there are plenty of pundits uh, and and uh, both in Russian and Russian speaking in Ukraine. 
who are um, putting out material about what's going on and, and their opinions. And then, of course, for the past 40 years, I've been in the investment business. First in uh, credit and workouts and lending, uh, I mean, private lending, and then uh, credit derivatives, including CDOs and mortgages from the short side, from the long side. And then uh, in uh, 2011 uh, or 2014, I should say, uh, on a full-time basis, I've transitioned my business to uh, focusing on gold because of my view of the prospects of the uh, Pax Americana, as, as it's called. So uh, the uh, status quo dominated by the U.S. dollar and, and uh, the United States and uh, the sustainability of our financial system, our financial arrangements, our currency. So that, that's the perspective from which I'm coming. So it's, it's, it's professionally investment perspective, but from uh, my personal, because of my personal background, I have some insights into what's uh, going on, particularly in Eastern Europe and Russia and between Russia and the United States. Perfect. Well, that's an excellent background for, for anyone that's not familiar with, with you and your story. Now, let's start and talk about this piece you put out in December, because you and I, about the same time, quite coincidentally, both wrote pieces about um, about Vladimir Putin from slightly different angles. So talk about what you saw happening and what the ideas you wanted to get across to, to your investors at, at that point in time. Absolutely. Let me just take five minutes or three minutes or however long it takes. Uh, first, to All the time you want, mate. It's why... our show. We can talk as long as we want. Perfect. So what's important here, I think, is, is a bit of historical perspective. All of us, by all of us, I mean everybody who is alive today, I should say nobody who's alive, who's alive today has seen as an adult a world where the United States was not a unitary superpower when it comes to economics and finance. Uh, what I mean by that is that whilst after World War II, there were two superpowers from a political uh, or from a geopolitical and military point of view, the Soviet Union and the United States, the results of World War II have conclusively placed the United States as the sole hegemonic superpower in the area of finance and economy and trade. In a sense that the United States dollar has become, has by that time completely displaced the British pound as the global reserve currency. It was initially based, uh, you know, based on the uh, Bretton Woods agreements right after World War II. Uh, it was initially backed by gold, but uh, when the United States went off the gold standard, which is essentially was a US default in 1971, Nothing happened because the power of the United States and the preeminence of the United States in the global economic sphere was unchallengeable and absolute. And so there really was absolutely no alternative and no challenger. The Soviet Union, what's important to understand, the Soviet Union was never a part of the global financial system, was not really a part of the global economy in any meaningful way. So in that sense, that confrontation was at a different plane than economics and money. So the reason I'm saying that is because we've all grown up, lived, operated, invested, saved, traded in a paradigm, global paradigm, where the United States was the preeminent player, unassailably so. The United States dollar was unassailably the, the currency of the you know, global currency in which most international trade or all international trade is, is settled. Uh, the petrodollar system was such that energy had to be paid or has to be paid uh, with dollars, which creates demand for dollars, which creates the deepest, uh, broadest, widest financial markets in the world, 
uh, in the U.S. dollar. And so it is very difficult for anybody who is alive today and has had this experience for basically their entire life to conceive of a different paradigm. We see this on Twitter all the time where people say, well, there's no other, there's no alternative. You know, even if China takes over, whatever, uh, you know, becomes uh, the uh, peripacy superpower to the United States, there's just no alternative to the dollar. That feels like, I'm sure it felt like that to Winston Churchill in the 1920s and 30s in respect to the to the British pound. Of course, London, you know, that was the financial markets, that was global, you know, New York was coming up, but that was still a, a sort of provincial a little bit, still, you know, backwater and so forth. So I wanted to start with that because I want to, I want people to have a sense that what we're talking about is not something esoteric geopolitical discussion about events that are happening in countries which have no relevance to uh, a Western investor, consumer person, that this is happening like sort of Iraq or whatever, Afghanistan is happening somewhere else. What's happening now, I believe, has direct bearing on the financial position of the United States, on the prospects of the U.S. financial system, uh, sustainability of the U.S. financial system, and the preeminence of the uh, U.S. dollar as a reserve currency, where the United States has used this position to essentially exert geopolitical control on its adversaries through the financial system. I mean, we keep hearing threats against Russia that he's going to get cut out of SWIFT, you know, arrest uh, Western-held uh, uh, assets, you know, uh, of Russian oligarchs or of Russian president himself and so forth and so on. All of this arises out of this position, uh, first of all, weaponization of the dollar as the uh, tool of geopolitical uh, power projection. And it arises out of the fact that the United States has come to control the global financial system because without using the dollar, no international bank can operate. And because all dollar transactions clear through Federal Reserve, ultimately, the United States has exerted uh, jurisdiction or projected its jurisdiction essentially on all financial transactions around the world. So when we're talking about what we're about to talk about, uh, all of this is currently, I believe, under threat. I don't know what degree of risk it is. We will talk about that. But I think it's the risk is very high and something is going to happen. I just don't know what, and I don't think anybody knows what, but something is going to happen. And it looks like the timing of that is soon. But when you wrote your piece, uh, when was that? December, I think. Uh, or late November. November, November, yeah. In November, right. Uh, and I read it, and and then um, and, and your piece was prompted by Putin's speech uh, at uh, at a uh, think tank, Valdai yeah. Forum, right? Yeah. Um, what, that I, I immediately thought was probably the most important geopolitical speech of, well, as far as I remember. And you kind of expressed that, and at that point I said, well, I have to issue some comment to that, since you broke the glass ceiling, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, and I did. And so what I wanted to do in that piece is I wanted to put some perspective on what is happening, some historical perspective. And I feel that if you don't understand where this is coming from, you may think that this is, you know, Putin's government is making trouble and leave it at that. And maybe this is all posturing and, um, you know, has to do with his personality. And if we replace him, that's all going to change. So I'd like to start with a little bit of background, historical background now, and, and then we can move into what is actually going on. The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com.
Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.